welcome to another episode of the Hasking Cast podcast, episode 322. And this week, uh, this weekend, actually on this bonus episode, I'm very excited to bring back our third time returning champion, Jim Meskimen. Jim, how are you? I'm good, Scott. How are you? Thanks for having me back a third time. I can't believe it. It's my pleasure. Well, the last two, the, the first two were like bang, bang. Like I, I had you on the show and then then you just like exploded on TikTok and Harlan's like, hey, can you have him back on? I'm like, of course I can. You know, why wouldn't I? And then uh, you're back with a, another new program. It seems like you've always got at least five or six projects going on, including your, you know, your YouTube channel, but then projects that you are working on, audiobooks. Your life seems to be pretty packed. It is. And and this year in particular, there's just a lot of stuff that had been kind of backlogged uh, during the pandemic. I think that wasn't released or wasn't finished that, yeah. you know, it's been one thing every other week that, that I did a while ago that, you know, from audiobooks as you mentioned, I've got a big video game release that's happening. I can't talk about it yet, but next week I can. And, uh, and the TV shows. So yeah, it's, it's just one of those busy periods where I planted a lot of seeds and now it's, it's harvest time. Right. Well, I'll wait uh, for the email for Harlan on the video game, but congratulations. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the pandemic really just kind of set everything in a strange bubble because for a while nobody could act. So everybody was writing. And then as soon as they could act, then it was an explosion of producing. Then it was, okay, now editors and, and dialogue people and sound design and composers are backed up. Then that bubble moves on to the next thing, which is then releasing them in DVD pressings and record pressings are behind a year because of it. Um, book pressings are very similar because there was no one at the plants to be doing anything. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. now, of course, all that stuff is just going to now explode into it's being released. And now everybody's like, okay, now I've got 10 things I've been waiting to see. And they all hit at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It puts a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on the consumer for sure. It does. At least though, in some there's some things you can kind of control, like how quickly you produce an audiobook, for example, or you know, if you're doing voiceovers for video games or or cartoons or something like that, you can control that to an extent because most of that's done remote anyway. That's correct. Yeah. There's tons of stuff that uh, I just do in the back room and in my sound studio. In fact, I just finished a, an audiobook project that I really like a lot that my whole family was part of, my wife and my daughter, we all participated in an anthology of science fiction and fantasy short stories that were the top stories for this uh, international competition, the L. Ron Hubbard Writers and Illustrators of the Future contest. Wow. Every year they have, the, it's the 39th year. And uh, it's it's an amazing contest. And we got to read and do the first audiobook of that uh, yearly anthology. So that's going to get released also like next week or later this week, I think. And wow. that, yeah, it's it was very exciting. A lot of fun to do. Congratulations. That's a great project. And of course, I remember even, uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, the name L. Ron Hubbard seemed to be everywhere when Dianetics came out and, and just kind of uh, took the world by storm. Uh, so that's uh, that's a very cool project. Uh, that's just it, though. I mean, when you're when you're working on your own, do you get directed? Do you do they like over the phone or anything direct you, or are they just like you know what you're doing? If we don't like it, we'll tell you, and you can do it again. Yeah, it's pretty rare. I, I at this point, I've done I don't know over 200 books, and I I guess I'm kind of a a, a known and trusted entity. So sure. I, I I fancy that people do. I do audition, you know, and they mm -hmm. they do give me a note there, you know, like this is the kind of thing we're looking for. 
and you know the audition will be about a, a three minute section of the book and i figure then they get a sort of a flavor of how i will treat certain things and then uh, they either like what i did or they don't and i'll hire somebody else i would imagine if you get really any direction at all it would be more along the lines of this is how we're picturing this character this is how we want them to sound could you be a little gruffer with this old man voice that kind of thing yeah, yeah, exactly. Or often it's a, a book that's like a nonfiction title that's been written by an author who probably would have read it himself, except he's usually discouraged from doing that by the publishers who, who want a more polished kind of delivery. And it, it is harder than it looks. So uh, often I will be called upon to try to evoke a little bit uh, who that that author, what that author sounds like and not do a full on impression of him necessarily. Sure. But to, Kind of, you know, bridge the gap a little bit, straddle the line. It'll be fun when you read Schwarzenegger's book. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I did a Tom Petty book one time. I did Tom Petty, so I did the whole book kind of like this. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it's all about interviews with Tom Petty. And uh, I don't know how well I did, but it was a salute to Tom Petty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I really excited about your newest, your newest project. It is called, uh, the big door prize of showing now, now I have it down as Apple TV, but I see it's Apple TV plus Apple is TV. plus the subscription version of Apple TV. I believe that's so I believe that's so, uh, Apple TV plus, or as they say in France, Apple TV plus. <laughs> that's very good. You know, it's hard to, to adjust from speaking from the front of your mouth to the back of your mouth to get that French accent. Yeah, it is. It's tough. You could you could sprain your tongue. I've sprained tongues. They weren't always mine, but <laughs> well, the groin muscle once playing hockey. That wasn't mine either. Oh. Uh, what now? I I saw the trailer. I've got the link to the trailer in the show notes. This looks like a really interesting concept, but I've only seen the one trailer, so I'm not sure that I understand the the depth of it. Um, could you explain it to me? Sure. It's a it's a it's a fantasy comedy. I think um, it is. Um, it really exists in its own universe, but it takes place in a small town. And a uh, there's a teacher who is there, a married teacher. Uh, he's played by Chris O'Dowd, the wonderful, charming uh, uh, Irish actor. And this, what's called a morpho machine, it's a, it's a fortune-telling machine, but very high-tech, electronic, uh, suddenly appears in their local little grocery store, their little market. Mm -hmm. And uh, it purports to tell people their destiny. It spits out a little blue card and with usually one or two words on it. And uh, it affects the people in this town in a very interesting way. It, it, it's an indication of what they, maybe they always thought they should have done, or they had no idea that that was the path they should go in. Mm -hmm. And the show explores, you know, these questions of identity and destiny and what should you be doing? What's the purpose of your life? Because if if the the all-knowing machine says, well, you know, you really should be a dancer or you really should be, uh, you know, a, a a motorcycle rider, you know, do you just pick up everything in your life and shift it around or not? And we get to explore that. So it's a, a, a very funny show, but it's not an overt comedy. It's not like Friends or something like that. That's a, a fall down funny. It is a, a humorous show. Uh, one of the creators, David West Reed, is uh, one of the people behind uh, Schitt's Creek. So it has a, a really lovely sense of humor that's all its own. And what I think is its strength is it's an ex extremely original television show. You really never know uh, where it's going to go from minute to minute. And it has a very interesting and eclectic group of characters. I get to play 
Chris O'Dowd's father, Kerry Hubbard, who is uh, is an accountant, but also gets this morpho card that tells him what he should be doing, his true purpose in life, which embraces wholeheartedly, is to be a male model. And so that creates a lot of interesting stuff. Is that an interesting one for, for you as an actor to cover? Because... I mean, I don't know how much modeling you've done in your real life, but I, I think about actors having to go into a movie and let's say that they're comfortable acting, but they're afraid of public speaking and they have a role where they have to do a speech in front of an auditorium or something like that. And it really pushes them as an actor to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Um, do yeah, you, or, is, or, ride is that, a, or ride a horse or scuba diver or something right? like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, this, this yeah, I have done zero modeling of any kind. Uh, so for me, it was... Uh, Definitely, uh, uh, you know, uh, reaching outside my boundaries. But, um, you know, I'd been exercising a little bit during the pandemic. And they said, uh, when I was auditioning and finally got the role, they said, hey, you know, you're in pretty good shape, but uh, we will, if you'd like, we will hire you a trainer to get a little more fit and to be more male modeling. And I said, you bet. So I've been yeah. training now for over a year, which I really enjoy. And so I'm very comfortable, you know, taking off my shirt or being in whatever costume that they give this character to wear. I feel like I'm, you know, puffed up and really representing. This should be interesting. I, uh, I'm also comfortable taking off my shirt, providing all the lights are out in the room. I think I could have been a good Kmart model, you know, just mm -hmm. <laughs> could have yeah, done that. Stand there. <laughs> uh, but it, but it's got to be fun to do something that's really different and you really get to stretch, you know, uh, your, your physical role instead of uh, just the voices. This, you know, I, I in, in a kind of a funny way, I've been an actor for so long and so many, I, I've done so many roles where I'm just sitting, talking to someone across the table. And it yeah. started about five or 10 years ago, it started to really get to me. So I just I would like to stand. I would like to walk across the room. I'd like to do one of these shots that follow you down a hallway while you talk to somebody while you're holding a, you know, a bunch of books and talking about legal things or military things, you know, as you walk and you go around the corner and you talk to another and uh, subsequently, I've gotten to do those things. But most of my early career in, in film was sitting across the table from somebody talking and like, you know, I can act. I can act below the abdomen sure. and the knees can act right. and the ankles. You want to be involved. Well, it, and then on top of that, when you're doing all your voice recordings, you're sitting down, you're, you know, you're in a chair at a desk. So it's like, this is almost a great right. opportunity for you to just move around. For one. And, yeah. And, and uh, several of the episodes of, of the Big Door Prize, both season one and season two, I don't really have any lines. I'm just modeling something or being a male model and, or dancing a little bit. And uh, and I, I like that, too. I like not having any words to say. Yeah. Well, it's easy to memorize those lines. But then it, then it becomes all blocking and timing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All blocking physical comedy, man. We have to uh, contact Sylvester Stallone and see if maybe he needs like a sparring partner for the next Rocky or something like that, where you can really get uh, use those workouts. <laughs> I'd be more likely to to play the young uh, the young Mickey. Oh uh, yeah, Burgess you know what? Merritt. I could actually see fun, that. I tell you what. They, uh, if they did yeah, a prequel, yeah. is is Burgess one of the voices that you do by chance? I've done Burgess Meredith's voice forever. I, when he was still alive in the in New York uh, area, when I when I was there in the eighties, and uh, people may not remember, but he, his voice was used quite often in commercials. Mm -hmm. He would say Honda, and uh, he would do in, in all kinds of voiceovers for things. And so cheaper companies that I was working with as I was starting out would want uh, you know, and I would pitch them, hey, how about a Burgess Meredith read on this? And they'd go, oh, that would be great. 
And so I talk to things about, you know, you know, any day now, there's going to come a time when the final reckoning will occur, whatever it happened to be. I put a little Burgess Meredith in there. And uh, subsequently, I've just become a bigger and bigger fan of his. Uh, he really had an incredible body of work. You really did. That was fantastic, by the way. I, I love how you just so naturally jump into these voices. But uh, Burgess, I, as I really noticed this, I was actually watching Rocky Three the other day. I, I often have things on while I'm doing like marketing and, and different things. And mm -hmm. um, I was really listening to the inflections in his voice at the beginning when he's arguing with Rocky about not wanting to do the fight with Mr. T. And boy, he really had some inflections that were very unique. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a wonderful stage actor. So, you know, he I'm sure every take was different. I'm sure he brought richness to any role that he essayed, even those grumpy old men role towards the end, end of his life where he was just that cranky old guy. I think right. there's probably a lot of variety yeah. in it. And he did, uh, told this to somebody the other day, uh, he did for me, like the definitive waiting for Godot, uh, which with Zero Mostel that's on YouTube that I discovered to my great pleasure once. And I don't know if you're a fan of that play as I am, I think he just hits it out of the park. And it's like one of those things like, that's the way you do that. That's that role. He was so good. He he knew how to read what was needed and just be colorful. Like not, not to the point where he pushed himself in front of people to get seen. He just knew how to be seen without being in front, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very amazing yeah. actor. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to, to ask you, um, it's kind of an, an, a slightly off topic question, but when you're putting together a sizzle reel, you've got such a body of work now. How do you narrow down what you want to show or do you do different sizzle reels for different types of projects? Yeah, these days they seem to like uh, uh, distinct clips from like single clips from shows because then the casting director can go, oh, here's a, a courtroom scene. Okay, oh, here's a doctor. Oh, here's a dramatic thing with the star. And they can just look at that rather than having to sit through three minutes of something where all, the thing I wanted was at the end, you know? So that, that seems to be just a practical speed thing. And as casting has sped up and production has sped up, that's become the rule. But I did recently put together on my, for my IMDB page, you know, a kind of a greatest hits of the last uh, couple of years of really, really beefy, nice dramatic roles of these these projects that we're talking about so that uh, you know people could get a, a taste of it pretty fast did you have to do a, an in-person audition for the big door prize no i wasn't uh i wasn't able to they were casting it out of new york i think and uh or or, or all over more likely uh, atlanta and which is where we film it and uh i don't know who all came from la but i know it was all done over the over this laptop just like this is it is it weird though to not have the 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 energy of the room to be able to feel immersed in the audition when you're doing it remote? Yeah, yeah, it is weird. I've I've sort of made my peace with it, and sometimes it's a little nervy going to a room full of strangers. And and that energy you're talking about is like, you know, you're trying desperately to read it and to be, I don't know, to make friends in a nanosecond. Yeah, and, and it, the pressure is kind of nutty. Uh, it's not a natural uh, thing. So I, I, I take okay to the self-taping. I don't mind. And I don't mind uh, the callbacks via Zoom. I, th those are a little more irksome. But um, 
definitely I, I like the self-taping because I could do it as often as I like until I get it to what I, you know, as perfect as I want it. And then I can send it off in the middle of the night or whatever, and they'll watch it at their leisure. Yeah, it, it seems I, I'm very much an energy person. And of course, I'm not an actor, mm -hmm. so I don't go on auditions. I'm as a musician, I just send, you know, clips. So it's, mm. it's easy for me. But I, I would think it would be hard not to be in the room and feel the vibe and kind of be in that moment with them. Harder to connect if you're not, it, it would seem like. But if everybody's doing that, then you're all on equal playing ground. Yeah, it's it's a pretty even playing field. But I know that the casting directors that I've talked to, most of them aren't very crazy about it because even though it's quicker for them to go, okay, delete, 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 or, yeah. or shunt things around, mm -hmm. uh, they don't have the opportunity to talk to the actor and to see what the actor is like as a person, how right. they behave themselves, uh, what are they like, and really, because it's up to them to choose people who are going to be professional and uh I don't know, not be a, a pain in the rear end. And mm -hmm. so they, they, I think, would would love to go back to the in-person auditions. And perhaps that'll happen now that the pandemic has been signed out of law. Right, right. Well, and and it, it is tough because it isn't just about whether you were, whether you gave a good read and had the right inflections. It's about, are you the kind of person who's going to show up? Are you the kind of person who's going to be difficult on set? Are we going to have, you know, social media issues with you? There's so much more to it. And I think that's what you miss getting that feel for without that in-person connection. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Of course, you're all over social media. You've exploded all over TikTok. Now it's your Instagram that's growing. <laughs> do you do you feel when you're recording something new, like you're always putting stuff on YouTube, you've got the celebrity fortune cookie that you do every day, which I love. Mm -hmm. um, but okay. do you... Do you feel a, a, a different sense when you're attacking it now of how many people are going to see it? Or do you just go in and do it like you always did? I'm trying to do things. I, obviously, my, my daughter helps me a lot. And she's a, an actress and a, a voiceover person and, and also manages my social media with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we obviously, we try to do. It's exciting when something is very popular. Uh, often the thing you think is going to be a home run just, just lays there. But um lately yeah we've been really fortunate and uh i try to do something that i think is funny or entertaining and uh also that you know people like to see me change character very quickly to go from patrick stewart for example in a nanosecond to matthew mcconaughey and just sort mm -hmm. of you know make that change right with the nero could happen you know it could hit you anytime and robin williams of course it's great to, great to see him pop up whenever he does so I, I try to do material like that that people enjoy seeing. I do do. Also, we had a lot of success with. Uh, God, we got four million views with this one where I just change accents while I am reading a manual of a electric drill that we bought. So you never really, you never really know. And it's it's creative. It's fun and it's an experiment. And when it hits, you're like, oh, that was that's cool. Look at that. And look at all these friends we've made and people's bright, nice little comments and. Yeah. Hopefully building some sort of uh, awareness for the show, for the big door prize and for other projects that I'm on. Well, and, and it seems like if you're doing things that are just honest, you know, if you're if you're scripted and it's obvious or you're trying to do something, it, it it tends to come off that way. If you do it very naturally, like you're doing where you're just in the moment, here's what it is. And that's what you capture and that's what you post. I think those are the things that are going to be enjoyed more. Um, interestingly, I have a friend who's in a band who is a pretty successful band and he's gotten some decent hits on his, his music videos, but what his big success was, was a review of a lawnmower. 
<laughs> like, Incredible. Where, where do you go with that? You know, how do you, how do you even <laughs> predict what's going to work? You just put it out there and it's either going to work or it isn't. Well, and that's, that has always been the case, you know, like I, I do a lot of things, but uh, the impressions that I do have been the things that get me the most attention. So I, my life could take a, could have taken a completely different path, but I finally observed that the impressions were the things that people seem to find valuable, at least in the short term. So I've, I've focused on that and I've disciplined myself to always, you know, revive my own interest and enthusiasm for the world of impressions. Yeah. And you do a great job. I mean, it, it, when I watch your stuff, it feels like you genuinely are doing it because you want to do it and not because I have to do a video today. You know, I, I I've never once felt that way in anything of yours that oh, I've seen. And I love that. Thank you. Thank I think you, that's Scott. the difference. Um, I wanted mm -hmm. to ask you too about, uh, hunters because we didn't get to talk about that last time. What can you tell me about that? No. So Hunters, yeah, it was the final season of that uh, Nazi hunting show that uh, Jordan Peele was involved in as a producer and uh, Al Pacino. Al Pacino was in it also. And uh, I got to play this German judge at a tribunal in the trial of Adolf Hitler, you know, wow. presumed, you know, this is the reimagining of what what could have happened in the 70s. And, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, I really had a... a I felt so happy to, it's another thing I auditioned for at home. I, I, uh, the only thing I did with the audition was different was, you know, I, cause I know this German character, I did a little bit of research and I, uh, examined, you know, different people that were talking at uh, Nuremberg, for example. And, and then on the audition tape, because I'm a little bit audio savvy and I realized, you know, my little room where I shoot these things doesn't have much, doesn't have much space, not much echo. So I just put a little bit of echo on my on my audition so that when I bang the gavel, it had a little space was created. You know, oh, I think yeah. it's I think it's little things like that. I at least make me feel like I'm doing I'm doing a little bit extra to sell this illusion, you know, that I'm a that I'm a judge in a courtroom. But I but I think and there's then I, something I got more to work to with some yeah. I'm oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, I think there's something more to that on the subconscious side of the people that are reviewing your audition, because it will be more alive and more realistic. And they'll, they'll, it, it's kind of like if you have your house painted, when you have people over to see if they want to buy it or not, and they're envisioning your life versus painting the walls white and having them see what their life would be like. Um, people always say as a composer, don't, send video clips don't put your music to other people's stuff just play the music mm -hmm. and let them envision it with their film and you're getting them to that point because you're giving them something to make it more alive i love that you did that yeah yeah i've done it a couple of times when i thought it would be appropriate and uh yeah so yeah that's a very good comparison that uh painting the house thing yeah or my mother used to always whenever she'd have her house appraised she would bake cookies so that <laughs> kitchen would be full of this oh, yeah. delicious evocative aroma i don't know mm -hmm. if it made any difference at all or if they jacked up the price of the house thirty thousand dollars because of that i don't know uh, well if, if nothing else so it made them happy a, and hungry yeah yeah it made them happy and hungry that salivating maybe a salivating appraiser is is more likely to give you a better number but the uh, hunters was a great experience i really enjoyed it it was uh and i think it turned out great when i finally saw the episode i was like oh my god it was like being in a one of the Mission Impossible films. It was shot, some of it in um, Prague, and uh, not my part. My part was shot in Simi Valley for Europe. <laughs> but but uh, it, it turned out great. 
Yeah. And it, it's nice to be able to look back on some of those things that you've done and, and go, I'm really glad I was a part of this. This was something special. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I've been fortunate many, many times to have that experience and uh, not too many stinkers. Every now and then I would, every now and then, but very rarely now, I find myself and I'm like, oh, I really don't want to be in this show. And then I, I occasionally, for whatever reason, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be seen. So I will like, unlike, unlike the typical actor, I will find ways to hide behind <laughs> things if I can kind of scoot behind another actor just slightly and sort of right. drift into the background. <laughs> you can't do it completely. And eventually, you know, the, the director goes, could you put, put it, we need to see you, Jim. <laughs> right, yeah. But most of the time I'm very pleased and I've been part of some great projects like Apollo 13 and The Grinch and, um, and The Big Door Prize, which I'm very happy to be in. That's fantastic. And of course, I've got the links to all your stuff in the show notes. Um, check out the Big Door Prize. I've got the links to the trailer in there. It's on Apple TV, uh, the links to your YouTube uh, as well. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, I, I have to mention this because I think it's very important and a great opportunity for people in your line of work. You have some classes that you offer. Yeah, I've got an online course that you can purchase, uh, which consists of a lot of videos and ebooks about how to be a working actor and keep working as an actor. I've had a career for over 35 years. I've paid attention to what I was doing. I learned a lot from my mom, Marion Ross, who we talked about before. And uh, I put it all together into a course. And it's available at jimworkingactor.com. Jimworkingactor.com. You can find out all about it. And, uh, and people are having some success with it, for sure. That's awesome. Well, you know, that I think that's part of our responsibility to be, being doing something that we're loving doing and being successful at it to help show other people how to get there too, that have that same passion, uh, whether they have the chops to get there or not, that's a different story. And it seems to change every day what's required. But uh, obviously, you've had an incredibly successful career, you've always got three or four at least, you know, things going at the same time. So who could argue with someone who's, you know, who's making it work? Yeah, don't, don't I'm not trying to get in an argument with anybody, you know, yeah, Just, right, uh, right, yeah. you do the course, you don't. Right, exactly. Well, Jim, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm wishing you great success with the Big Door Prize and all the other things you're doing. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of yours. I, I really love your work. So thank you for putting out all you know your your daily videos, the Celebrity Fortune Cookie and all that. Uh, highly enjoyable. I really encourage everybody to go uh, sign up for your page, hit the little bell so you'll get the notifications, get all the links in the show notes, and uh, I'm sure we'll see you again. Good luck with the uh, video game. Thanks so much. You'll know about it soon. Excellent. Take care, my friend. All right. You too. Thanks very much for the gracious interview as usual. Thank you. Thank you.